Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Plot Lines. I'm your host, Connor. And today we're going to be talking about woke proofing your life. And we have the author of woke proofing your life uh, with uh, Teresa Moll is the author of woke proof your life, a handbook on escaping modern political madness and shielding yourself and your family by living a more self-sufficient, fulfilling life. Teresa, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You are also the assistant editor at the Spectator World and a political advisor for education at the Heartland Institute. Uh, so it, it's really a pleasure talking with you. I think the best way to start really is what is the definition of woke? I think that sort of um, I think people can get into the weeds with that and you know be confused by different definitions. So what what's the definition you're going off of? Yeah, a lot of people get caught up in um, what woke means, and I think that's on purpose. The the woke puppet masters uh, like to try to confuse us and use vague terminology, and woke is certainly one of them, kind of takes the cake. But I define it as a socio-political ideology characterized by the manipulation of noble goals by radical left-wing zealots for the control and destruction of society. It is a form of evil. It's radical progressivism, and uh, it's basically uh, political correctness on steroids. Gotcha. So, and is woke proofing your life an inherently sacrificial choice to make? Yes and no. Um, I think it's easier than most people think. I go through the book about ways in, in which you can do it relatively pain-free, so to speak. And I also um, highlight the many advantages of woke-proofing your life. It's um, kind of like any sacrifice that might seem difficult to do initially, say giving up sugar or something like that. You know, it can seem uncomfortable for a, a day or a week or so, but then you realize all of these amazing benefits. You feel better, you're less sluggish, whatever. Um, it is that you're sacrificing for the good of your, in that, in that case, your body, but this is in your body, your soul, your mental health, all these things, your society, your community, your family, um, everyone you come in contact with when you woke proof, it makes everything better. So it might seem a little bit daunting at first, but I assure everybody who's curious about woke proofing their life that it will pay off times a million. Yeah. And you mentioned that it's basically the, uh, the continuation or the or sort of broadening of um, of political correctness. So this sort of means that it it's sort of come from the colleges. The colleges certainly have a big part to play in wokeness. They seem to be institutions, uh, factories for all sorts of radical, crazy left-wing ideas. Uh, my father was, a, he's a retired uh, philosophy professor from Penn State, and his theory is the reason that so many colleges and universities come up with such radical, crazy uh, left-wing ideas is because uh, they're expected to earn tenure and to and get published and make a name for themselves and go on speaking tours and all these things to to bring notoriety to the, to the institutions of higher learning that they need to say something unique and profound and different. So the truth is uh, has already been spoken. It's well documented. Um, we've already we've had so many great thinkers over the centuries, and um, so to come up with something new now 
you basically have to say something that's untrue or crazy. And that's exactly what we see happening. So certainly the RD colleges and universities are uh, where wokeness is, uh, a lot of it is born and bred, but um, it's also, you know, the mainstream media, politicians who are trying to appear uh, diverse and equitable and inclusive and all of these things. It's, it is a form of evil. So it's pretty much everywhere, but yeah, I, I would say woke institutions are, they're, they're definitely public enemy number one. Yeah. I think people find it most hard to uh, de-wokeify education. So like what, what does uh, a non-woke education look like? We start with the classics. So I have a section in there about how to re-educate yourself as an adult. You know, if you went to your basic public government funded school in America, you probably didn't get a very great education. And even if you learned the basics, reading, writing, arithmetic, you, um, you're, you're okay. But a lot of people went beyond that and were actually propagandized and brainwashed. So we kind of have to undo that now that we're adults. And I say jokingly that it's easier or easy to do <laughs> if you have kids because you can homeschool them in the classical um, uh, style and, and with classical curriculum. But um, if you don't, there's, there's, there's uh, hope for you. You can, there's many resources uh, online. And I, I, I spoke to many of the people who have provided those resources for us, so ways that you can go through and educate yourself in philosophy, religion, of course, studying scripture, the lives of the saints, all of these great thinkers who, as we said, you know, have thought the great thoughts and put them down articulately for us and kind of solve the problems that we're seeing now. You know, there's nothing really new about evil. It's just as we see it in the form of wokeness is taking on new language and new confusing terminology, but it's the same same basic principles. So it, these these things have been discussed and solved over the years, and uh, we need to return to the classics and to these great thinkers and and to learn from them. Or do you come across a lot of people where it seems like they uh, are afraid of you know, sort of re-educating themselves, like they don't know where to start? You know, in some sense, words of encouragement for that type of person. Yeah, I would say I think it's a little bit daunting for some people who have never encountered uh, the works that we're discussing. Um, I think that people of a modern sensibility can look at these things and think maybe they're boring or they're intimidating. You see Plato and Aristotle, you hear these names and you think, oh, goodness, those people were too smart for me or, you know, only the nerds in college studied them. I, I'd rather just watch a movie or something. Um, but again, I would encourage people to look at their lives and ask themselves, you know, is this it? Am I just made to sit at home and eat Grubhub and scroll through TikTok on my phone? Do I feel satisfied by that? Is there something I'm missing? Uh, is there some curiosity of my soul that's yearning and hungering for something more to learn my purpose of life, to encounter truth? And I think everybody has that inside of him, but uh, we just have to be open to it and not to take the easy, comfortable path all the time. I think our society and our modern conveniences, as many blessings as we have, really makes convenience and comfort very accessible for so many people that we have kind of lost that curiosity that is has been innate in humans for many, many years. And that 
that um, desire to learn and to know has been um, sort of, uh, I guess, numbed in us a little bit. Um, so yeah, I, I ask people to to think about how satisfied they are in their life and and to try something new, step outside of your comfort zone and and explore. There's so many great works out there that are just waiting for you to be discovered and to nurture your mind and your soul. Indeed. And you, so you would say homeschooling is the optimal uh, way of moving forward for uh, parents? I think so, but I, um, I was not homeschooled personally. I went to a small Catholic school and I loved it. And I, I want, I want Woke Proof Your Life to be for people from all sorts of backgrounds and abilities and uh, situations. So not everybody is able to homeschool their children. Maybe they, uh, they, both parents have to work or they just, um, you know, there's different reasons. Maybe they feel like they're not up to the task, whatever it is. I do talk to several homeschooling parents and talk about how they did it, um, how rewarding it was and how, I wouldn't say easy, but how I think it's a lot more approachable and um, not as challenging as many people might think. Many parents might think that it's it's this you know crazy thing that only radical traditional Catholics with ten thousand kids can do, but it's really not. And especially as we uh, as this is a this is a form where the internet and technology, as much as I run it down, it can be obviously very helpful and useful because there's tons of resources out there and lots of different programs that parents can get to kind of streamline the homeschooling process and make it very approachable for people. But I also talked to a couple who started their own private school because they had started in a homeschool and they had a homeschool and co-op, which they enjoyed. And they found that their children were doing well with, but they wanted to offer more families um, more of a structured school environment and some of the advantages that a more traditional school has. So they took it upon themselves to start their own school, kind of with a homeschooling mindset. And it is a classical school, so they were able to adopt that curriculum. Um, I also talked to a man who has started several classical charter schools across the country, and that's another option for people. Charter schools are, are uh, uh, tuition-free. So if you live somewhere that doesn't have very good education choice laws, that's certainly a more affordable option for people. And I even talked to a woman who sends her child to a public school in Seattle, of all places, and she's very conservative and traditional minded. And she assures us that if you choose, if that's your only option or if that's what you choose to do, that there is a way to woke proof your child, even under such daunting circumstances. So <laughs> there is a way to homeschool your child, no matter what is going on or sorry, to woke-proof your child no matter what is going on. I think homeschooling is probably the uh, most foolproof, but um, but you, you're not limited. Don't give up if, if, if you can't homeschool your kid, basically. So one of the concerns also with like Catholic schools is how, like, how do you know that it's a woke-proof school? Because, you know, a lot of Catholic schools, I think, have been uh, affected by, uh, you know, pr woke progressive values. Certainly, yes. Um, I would ask to look at the curriculum 
to look at lesson plans. I would talk to teachers and ask them very specific questions about the woke agenda. You know, are you going to teach my child that a man is a man and a woman is a woman? Um, a man cannot give birth. You know, ask about the policies. Um, gender is a big one in schools right now about, you know, can boys play on a on the girls team? What are your bathroom and locker room policies? Um, it should become pretty obvious when you go and visit the school and talk to the teachers and the administration um, and ask to see those documents, see what the homework is. Maybe you can sit in on a few classes before you decide to send your child to, um, to a private school or a Catholic school. So definitely ask all the questions, be as annoying as possible because this is your child's brain, his mind, his soul that you're putting in somebody else's hands who is not you. So there's, you can't be too annoying whenever it comes to something like that. <laughs> in indeed. Now, the, this whole woke agenda has gotten into all, all kinds of different places. And uh, that's that's kind of the scariest part is, you know, woke proofing your life sort of involves doing a lot of things that you may not even think of. And one of the things I was in the book I was most intrigued by is woke proofing or getting a woke proof doctor. So could you talk a little bit about that? Yes, I spoke to a Catholic doctor in the Midwest who stresses the importance of that. And again, especially whenever it comes to your children, um, he encourage, he has a list of questions in the book that are very helpful to parents to ask a, a family care provider before you uh, let your child see him or her. And one of the big ones is, does the doctor leave the room? Because that's uh, something that woke progressive doctors like to do, or sorry, does the parent leave the room to um, get the child whenever the parent's out of the room to, um, you know, they'll start asking him questions like, are you sure that you feel comfortable in your gender or maybe you're gay and kind of encourage them in that way or and offer them hormone therapies or things like that. You know, you if you're a parent, you don't want to be out of the room whenever a doctor is asking you or asking your child questions. And so if that's the case, that's a hard stop. But even other other things, you know, contraceptives, um, end of life issues, you know, is your doctor pro euthanasia, for instance, these are um, maybe not obvious woke uh, concepts, but they certainly are all related and all tied into the evil agenda, which is to control people and to um, control their lives, even up to the point of death. And it, it is a culture of death. So certainly um, your healthcare and uh, lack thereof in some cases is is very important. And it's something that's not talked a lot about. And there's this doctor reveals how much woke messaging and rhetoric is pushed in med school. And what he gives examples of what he saw, um, something about like, uh, he had to take a uh, or go to a lecture about um, racial disparities in healthcare or something like that. He expected it to be, you know, different races react to medications differently. They're more prone to certain diseases. He thought it was going to be something actually about treating the human body, but it wasn't at all. It was about what if somebody feels that you're being racist to, toward him or her um, during an exam. And he did say something very encouraging, which was most people like 99% or something don't care about woke stuff. Whenever they go to the doctor, they want to know, like, do I have cancer? Why is my <laughs> knee aching? You know, why are you asking me my pronouns? What are you talking about? Like, they think this stuff is crazy because most people are sane and they just want to be treated for whatever is, is bothering them. So that is encouraging. But 
certainly our doctors and are being uh, indoctrinated in med school, which again goes back to your point about institutions of higher learning being super woke and super progressive. And unfortunately, the medical industry is no different. Yeah, it seems like the medical industry is also, and science in general has been has moved so far into the commercial arena. So so it's not necessarily about taking care of the body anymore. It's almost alchemy levels of like trying to turn things into things that they're not like mm -hmm. tr trying to turn a man into a woman. It, it's, it's basically the equivalent of alchemy back in, uh, back in medieval times. Yeah, and that goes back to my point about the woke puppet masters and just radical progressivism in general being so anti-God and anti-religion and um, being so evil is that they want to be like gods, which was, of course, the first temptation to Adam and Eve in the garden was, well, I can make you like gods. And that's exactly what they're doing, trying to do. They have accepted the Satan's offer here on earth and they're trying to attain their earthly reward by being like gods. They are telling people you can be a man even if you are born a woman. You can just take these uh, pills and you'll be different or of course you can, you know, they're just taking reality and turning it, it on its head and they're making the rules and they're the ones that are being in control rather than relying on God and his mercy and his bounty to provide for us. They are, they're the ones who want to control this earth and all of us so yeah not having or you know being anti-god basically permits you to do whatever you see fit mm -hmm. and that's a big characterization of of wokeness now community is a very difficult thing to have in this in this modern day you know most people i think a lot of people find their way you know trying to find community on the internet on on Twitter, which is now X, uh, or, uh, you know, Instagram, uh, you know, there's a lot of different places you can communicate just on the phone, uh, because of new technology. And because of the way our economy works, people and uh, traveling, people tend to move out of the places that they grew up and find jobs elsewhere. So how do we find and create uh, community in this uh, woke world? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of doing things in real life. I, uh, I have a lot of statistics in the book about the downsides of social media. Of course, if you curate it properly, it can be a wonderful tool by which to connect with like-minded people, to learn from one another. Um, you know, if, if you use it sensibly, of course, obviously, and moderately. Um, but we, if we rely too much on social media, uh, statistics studies show that, you know, it leads to loneliness and isolation. And it again breeds uh, this woke mindset where you can kind of be whoever you want and say whatever you want with no consequences. You can cancel things you don't like. You can censor people. And it's just a very unnatural, I think, largely unhealthy way to live. Um, but again, you know, if you're going to connect with people that way, maybe do that initially just to find the people, but then follow it up with a phone call where you're actually using your voice rather than just texting all the time or just posting things in this kind of silent, weird, robotic way that is not, I don't think, how humans were designed to to operate and to socialize. And then 
I think all those studies that I alluded to prove, or it's God's way of showing us and proving to us that that's not the best way because we have higher rates of depression and anxiety and all of these awful things that just wreaks havoc on our mental health when we don't hang out with each other. And uh, the opposite of that is um, showing as our studies that show how doing things in person boosts our mood, our mental health, um, you know, things like having dinner around the table with friends and family um, improves your mental health. Children who eat din more dinners with your family more often are less likely to be addicted to drugs, to have teen pregnancy, things like that. It's just um, kind of the obvious old-fashioned way that we used to do things um, is proven time and time again in our personal interactions, but also by science, if you need that <laughs> to, to be better for us and healthier for our mind, bodies, and spirits. And so, yeah, if you initially, you want to find a group um, through social media or through the internet, that's very useful, but then go meet up with them. Go, go to the local sportsman's club and make some new friends. I have a little uh, paragraph in the book about how I did that. And my social network really blossomed in real life. And I see people I know all the time and, and it's just been beautiful. Again, your church community is a great place to start as well. You know, volunteer, go to the Knights of Columbus pancake breakfast when you don't really feel like it. You know, support these types of traditions um, whenever you feel like sitting at home and ordering uh, Uber Eats or something. You know, don't do that. Go to the local diner and interact with people. Sit next to someone, strike up a conversation, make small talk. You know, instead of whipping out your phone and every 10 seconds when you have to wait somewhere, maybe look at the person next to you and make a comment about the weather or the beautiful wallpaper, or whatever they're reading, you know. Just get back to thinking about your fellow human as a soul that's on its journey, its own journey to heaven, and that you are journeying along with that person. And rather than the woke mindset, which is to think of everybody you encounter, your neighbor, as an enemy who might have be a bigot or might have offended you or, you know, de de um, you deserve to have reparations from or something like that. So just switching that mindset to a more in-person real life, old fashioned way of living. So, uh, what, what, uh, what kind of clubs are available these days? Like that you, you think would be best for people to try? I like church groups because obviously that's uh, a great way to meet people who have the same belief system as you and your bond with those people are going to be stronger. And certainly if it's a Catholic group, a good traditional Catholic group, then you will um, have the same ideals and you will help one another achieve them in theory. Um, so if you surround yourself by good people who are doing good things, then you are more likely to do those good, those good things yourself and to be a better person. Um, also, just pretty much anything that gets people away from their screens that cause so much anxiety and anger and where so much wokeness is born and festers, I think is positive, you know, so long as it isn't sinful, obviously. Um, even simple things like uh, sporting clubs or, you know, go play tennis with a group and, and make new friends that way. Or I talked to a man in the book who runs a website that unites people um, who are old home enthusiasts and they get together and they talk about restoring their old houses and they talk about, you know, what is the most period correct um, paint color for my dining room or should I paint this trim or where do I find a light fixture that will go in my living room because my house is Victorian or things like that, you know. So 
I don't, you know, a lot of those people probably have varying political <laughs> viewpoints and um, religious beliefs, but whenever they're together, they're talking about those things that, uh, that interest them and are outside of the political scheme. And you realize that you have more in common with your fellow uh, humans than, than you really have differences, which is what the woke, they thrive on division and isolation and alienation. So the less we can give into their temptation to do that and just sit at home and be on your screen and be consumed by social media and, and the mainstream media, the better. So yeah, I mean, if you have an interest, there's undoubtedly a group that you can join and be a part of and make new friends and commune with people and strike up friendships and nurture one another and help one another get to heaven. And um, most of that requires you to go out into the real world. Gardening clubs, I think if everyone had a garden, then all of our problems, most of our problems would go away. <laughs> mm -hmm. You you talk about uh, like ha people starting the sort of the institutions that have existed, starting their own institutions where institutions have been sort of uh, um, taken over by the woke. So it seems to me that if people have the capacity that, that they should, um, they should be more active in, you know, creating what they can. If mm -hmm. their abilities are sort of, if they line up with the ability to create a school, then they should create a school, you know, that type of thing. So like, can you t elaborate a little bit about sort of uh, people using their abilities in that way? Right. Yeah. So there's the scripture quote to whom much is given, much is expected. So if you have that capacity, you have a gift to offer you. The Holy Spirit has put something into your soul and into your heart, um, a desire and you see a need in the world. It is your duty to step up and take care of it and to do it. Um, the man that I spoke to, very inspiring father. I think they have like six kids now who started his own school. He went without pay for like two or three years and his wife was a sole breadwinner and they had to make sacrifices and it was hard. And he says it, it's a lot of hard work, but all the most beautiful worthwhile things are. And we've kind of been lulled into this complacency of just ordering things online or just getting things automatically or just mindlessly sending your child, you know, at eight in the morning to the local public school, getting your kid back at 3 p.m. and assuming that they learn something of value. Um, but we can't do that anymore. Um, not that we ever really should have, but um, it's getting <laughs> worse and worse. So now is the time if you have been tempted to kind of step outside of the box and to exert yourself a little bit more as the uh, Mr. Pullman is his name that I quote in the book. Um, he says, sometimes it does have to be you and it can be scary and it can be a challenge. But again, if you feel that pull in your soul and in your spirit and God is calling you to something higher and, and noble, then um, he will certainly give you the strength and the grace to be able to accomplish that. So do not be afraid because uh, you just pray and, uh, and do your best and God, God will do the rest. Yeah. Were, were people becoming complacent? I feel like this whole thing has a lot, has really woken people up to the fact that sort of there had been this lacking even or or this um this danger in schools and other institutions almost even before what we would call woke even came into existence. Have you seen that or have, has that like thought popped into your head? Well, certainly um, people 
kind of, I've gotten the impression, think that wokeness just came out of nowhere all of a sudden, but it has been percolating in various ways, simmering um, throughout our society for decades now. You know, um, as I said earlier, it's just kind of updated language and new terminology. And I do think it's more extreme, kind of the gloves came off after COVID. Um, but it's been, you know, evil has always been around. It always will be around in our fallen world. And the goal is always the same is to control everybody and um, get your reward here in, in the here and now and destroy society. Um, so you look at things like affirmative action has been around, you know, until the recent Supreme Court ruling for a really long time. And that's not much different from diversity, equity and inclusion. So these sort of ideas and, um, have been around for forever. Um, so I think that wokeness, uh, does, it's, uh, it's kind of sudden rise or the momentum that it is gaining, um, is in part, in large part due to complacency. I think that, um, you know, since so much of wokeness is about control, that the people who the woke are trying to control have sort of sat back and let affirmative action or let um, the, the gay rights movement, um, gay marriage, things like that kind of slip in and come into being. And we're like, oh, okay, well, like we fight it a little bit or we kind of push back. But the people that the woke are trying to control, um, I think that we tend to be the actual open-minded, liberal in the traditional sense people because we want people to have freedom to live their lives and provide for their families. And we don't really want to be bothered with all this socio-political nonsense. So we haven't bothered ourselves with it, but now we have to because we have let it take hold. And, um, you know, it, it's been snowballing and now we see where we are now where um, we're debating whether a man can chest feed or not. So <laughs> it certainly didn't come out of nowhere. I think that wokeness led to a, a big rise, which we can talk about if you'd like. Um, but yeah, it went from being kind of that laissez-faire, like um, live and let live attitude from a lot of more traditional minded people. Um, so long as you didn't bother them with it, they, they didn't really care what you did. But now we are not only being bothered with it and our children are being bothered with it, but we're being forced to participate and to fund all of these evil agendas. So now, and as a lot of people have realized, and we see from things like the Bud Light protests and Target and all those sorts of things, people are standing up and saying, no, enough is enough. You know, now you're forcing me. Now you're making me take part in this evil. So no, we're done. Do you think the laissez-faire mentality was part of the problem? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of a natural American freedom loving um, kind of libertarian attitude to have. But if you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. And that's exactly what we've seen happen. So um, we certainly have to stand up for our rights and speak out, even though it, it can get tiring, it can get exhausting, you kind of just want to go back to your home and like shut it all out and be like, just leave me alone, just whatever, just I don't want to take part. But we see what happens whenever we don't stand up. And now, now mm -hmm. is the time to work proof. Well, speaking of the home, so I think a lot of people will probably think of sort of woke proofing your interactions with the outside world. So how does, like, how important is the home in woke proofing? 
Yes, I make the analogy in the book of woke proofing being like waterproofing yourself. So if it's storming outside as it is right now, and you're going to go out there, um, you're you're going to want to put on a nice um, Gore-Tex jacket, some welly boots, a nice umbrella, maybe a, 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 a waterproof, rainproof hat. Um, and it's the same thing with woke proofing your life. So you're going out into the, the storm of the world, the storm of society and culture. And it doesn't mean that you're not taking part. Um, you still have to go out in the world and provide for your family, of course, and, and interact with your, your neighbors. But you want to put on an armor of woke proofness so that whenever you go out into the storm, you're not affected by it. You know, you don't get wet when you're waterproof. You're not going to get the woke barbs and the the weapons that they throw at you are not going to make a dent whenever you woke proof yourself and that starts in the home you know we talked about education reading virtuous materials uh guarding your senses from things that are uh not positive things that do that lead to uh, your detriment so being really aware of what you're allowing go on in your home what your eyes and ears and mind and soul are absorbing you know if you just have a tv on, on the background or you know you have an hour while dinner cooks are you sitting down on your phone and scrolling through and absorbing all this woke rhetoric that is that's on your phone everywhere you look or are you reading a book that is nurturing your soul and making you think of higher things and making you a better person um you know is your home surrounded by um, artwork that inspires you to love God more or to appreciate nature, creation, things like that. Um, I encourage people to make their homes a woke-proof refuge. So every time you come into your home, you can be refreshed and your family and friends can be also. Make it a place where whenever you enter, truth and beauty and goodness are growing and um, fortified. So um, I also encourage people to do things like host uh, dinner parties for those that they that they love and um, to share their goodness with others. You know, just have your friends over and chat. Use your living room and your dining room for what it, for what it was designed. Um, you know, nowadays we have rooms where you go and you just binge. But back in the day, we had windows. You could sit and appreciate the beautiful flowers and trees and birds outside your window. And um, we don't. We tend to not do those things anymore because we have become complacent and our senses are kind of being dulled. I think so. We need to bring back those traditions that um, made us better people and uh, made our society just richer and fuller and uh, more more beautiful for one another. Yeah, we we more likely have a TV room than, exactly. than, than a living room. Yeah, and so many rooms or houses nowadays don't even have like a formal dining room. Those are passe. Uh, so our front porches, I know in the book, there's a I think it was a Wall Street Journal article a few years ago about the death of the front porch, you know, and someone else I talked to um, pointed out that we went from being a front porch society to a back deck society. So rather mm. than hang out on our front porch and talk to our neighbors as they walk by on the sidewalk, um, now we're just all secluded in our backyards and we're just all hiding from one another and we're not having that sense of community anymore. I'm surprised people go into their, uh, their backyard, actually. Uh, <laughs> That's true. That, that's probably a dangerous thing too. Not even just, you know, if you're home, you're, you could be nice out. You may not even go outside at all. Mm -hmm. and yeah. There's another study I put in the book. I think Americans spend like 
90% of their time inside, which I think is another real problem for our mental health that the woke rely on. Um, I think screen addiction is a big reason why wokeness has taken on such perceived, at least, veracity, um, because it's such an easy way to disseminate woke rhetoric and to brainwash people and manipulate them and their moods is, you know, if we're all using our phone way too much and they're uh, social media and mainstream media is largely owned by woke progressives, you know, it's so easy. We just have this little resource right there in your hand and in your pocket all the time that wokeness can just enter our home and our minds. So uh, yeah, get outside. <laughs> uh, do you suggest people getting uh, dumb phones? I would love to get a dumb phone. Um, unfortunately, I work remotely. So I need my phone whenever I do go on a walk in nature, you know, if uh for work because you know, like a lot of people, I have Slack, I have my emails, I have things like that. So yes, I, in a heartbeat, I think, you know, if, if something happens that I could maybe have a career that was less reliant on the internet and things, I think that would be great. Um, I did talk to a guy who said that he switched to a dumb phone, a flip phone like several months ago. And he said, it's like the greatest thing he's done for himself recently. He has this weight of anxiety that he has felt lifted from him. He's enjoying life more. He's more aware of his surroundings. He's, he's made more friends. He's just a less stressed out person. And, um, yeah, I'm all about the flip phone and the dumb phone. And, you know, of course, not nobody, not a lot of people are going to do that. Um, and, uh, and it's difficult, but I also have, you know, ways that people can reduce their technology use, uh, practical ways to make your, your technology into a recourse instead of a resource. You know, it's very easy to, you have a few down moments um, without your phone and just start going through it. It's a habit a lot of people have, myself included. Um, but be really guarded on that. If you do want to peruse Instagram or Facebook or something like that, set a timer. Whenever it goes off, you're done. You know, um, I've, you know, if you're unable to reduce your social media use, I just deleted Instagram from my phone one day and I haven't looked back. I haven't missed it. Even if somebody sends me like a screenshot of something from Instagram, it kind of gives me anxiety just to even see the platform because it's so triggering to steal a kind of work word. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't even following anything, you know, that that bad it was mostly like dogs or whatever but it's still just like i don't know something about wasting time on your screen makes you feel kind of at least me made me feel kind of like dirty inside and like yucky after i would do it and, and i would regret it i'd feel guilty so yeah i encourage people to uh to give up social media if they can yeah that was me with facebook and instagram i got i got rid of those i can't really get rid of uh twitter or or now X uh, for for podcasting reasons, you know. So like our jobs or what we're doing, you know, it, it's a little harder to cut yourself off in those ways. But, yeah, yeah, and another, you know, I would also advise people. Of course, um, technology isn't all bad, um, but just to be really conscious of curating what you're following. So if you're following some. Um, you know, people on, on Instagram or Twitter X um, that are, are causing you rage, it's okay to cut them off to um, remember that, you know, just fighting for the sake of fighting, if it's fruitless, is a waste of your time and can become sinful if you're kind of getting a high out of like arguing with internet trolls and bots and you're not going to change your mind. That's a waste of time, you know, and it's manipulating your mood 
and it's not healthy, it's not good, it's not fruitful. So um, remember that there is a time and a place to shake the dust. And sometimes that means on the internet too. Yeah, people are all about sort of, uh, you know, uh, seeing results. So uh, how, how can woke proofing your life make an impact? Well, um, I'm glad that uh, the Bud Light controversy happened <laughs> right whenever my book was coming out because it's a perfect <laughs> example of how um, not only are you not alone, which again, the woke uh, masterminds kind of rely on us to feel as if you're the only one, you're a crazy person if you don't go along with what we're saying with the woke talking points and you're a bigot, like, you know, no one will like you. You won't have any friends. You'll be such a weird loner and will ostracize you. But that's what they want us to believe. And it is very effective. People are afraid of being called a homophobe or racist or whatever it is, um, but that's far from the truth. And we see, saw that in a big way with the Dylan Mulvaney backlash with Bud Light. We saw that with Target and their pride line of clothing that they had, were pushing for children. We saw that with Dodger Stadium. They had a satanic something gay. I don't know what it was exactly, but it, <laughs> it was yeah. evil. And people people rebelled in a big way, and they continue to. I don't think Bud Light will ever recover because they're like, you know what? You took this too far. And then um, on the other end of the spectrum, we see um, songs like uh, Try That in a Small Town and the, the success of Oliver Anthony talking basically about, you know, woke policies uh, shooting to number one because people are most most people in Americans or most people in America are still traditional minded and sane and <laughs> they're still you know still relatively Christian at least in in kind of a vague traditional sense. Um, so as far as results go, I do have a section also in the book about boycotting ways you can boycott. Um, I have a list of woke companies and. Uh, it's pretty long. It's intimidating. And a lot of them are umbrella companies. So, you know, they might, you, you're like, Oh, I, I can boycott Nabisco. No problem. But then you realize <laughs> there's like 50 things that you purchase that's owned by the same company. So it can get kind of like, you're like, Oh, well, I guess I'm going to go be Amish now because you can't <laughs> buy or use in America. But that's not true. Um, I also have ways that you can buy from companies that are either like-minded, non-woke, or just neutral, that don't don't take part in the culture war at all, which is refreshing. Um, and then there's also ways that you can micro boycott. You know, if you really rely on Amazon to get your diapers for your, your baby, and you just don't have time to run to the store or something, you live somewhere isolated and you, and you need that service, then that's okay. But maybe you know, if you're relying on that, then um, maybe cut out something else in your life or look at, at something that you spend considerable funds on from a woke company. And if you can't find an alternative, maybe you can make something yourself or um, I'm really big on self-sufficiency. And again, how that can enrich your life and make your senses come alive and make you more alive and more um, kind of more fully human and how beautiful that is. You interact with nature. Again, I go back to the garden thing, but you know, maybe you need a new dining room table and rather than buy one from Walmart or Ikea or somewhere, um, you you find one at an antique store or you can learn to make one yourself or you repurpose one that you bought from the church uh, rummage sale, something like that. You know, there's always, I think, an option uh, to defeat wokeness. We need to have an equal and opposite reaction for every one of their crazy woke um, initiatives. So, um yeah, it can be a little bit 
challenging, I guess, but if you get creative and you pray about it and you really want to do it, you can do it. And it's actually, I think it's kind of fun. It's kind of like a hunting expedition. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, it adds a sort of th this awareness of these different things mm -hmm. uh, allows us to change our mentality. And totally. it also can... helps us simplify your life. I find, um, you know, uh, you can just do without things sometimes and, you know, something you think that you need or you really want, you know, that's, you know, a big part of Lent is purifying ourselves and, and making that sacrifice. And then you find at the end of it, you never really need it and you don't really miss it. And again, with the community volunteering thing, um, the more you're out of your house and you're participating and you're giving back and you're giving your time and your talent to other people, the less stuff you're going to need. You know, you're not going to just fill your emptiness um, with buying things um, that you probably don't need. Um, we can live pretty simply without suffering at all <laughs> um, if we try. And again, you know, ask God for the grace to to purify your heart and to give you a desire to live as he wants you to, which I would say is certainly is not funding these woke corporations. Yeah. Should people be moving or should they be staying where they are? How do you deal with that? I encourage people to move if they can, because again, you know, the more you surround yourself with like-minded virtuous people, the more not only community can you build, um, but the more virtuous you will each make each other. So it's good to surround yourself by um, positive influences. Um, that said, of course, not everybody can just up and move. They have family obligations, work, things like that. Maybe they've just lived where they live their whole life and their family's there and, and they like it, um, but it's become super woke around them. You can still obviously have a positive influence no matter where you are. I do find it helpful to move somewhere. I'm a big advocate of smaller towns. Um, I think, you know, and it obviously shown that cities are, are are tend to be more progressive and to advocate for these woke causes. And then, of course, if you're living there and you're paying your taxes, you're giving your money again to woke causes that um, that you don't believe in. So to be conscious of what a tax base can do and how evilly effective it can be. So, you know, maybe consider moving to um a different state if you can. I have a list of uh, the most conservative uh, states in America, most conservative cities, um, maybe just a more conservative part of your state, you know, to a less liberal county. I live in Pennsylvania and Center County actually where I live is um, kind of dominated by State College Penn State, but um, I live in a little town so we don't we're pretty far removed, not physically, but <laughs> mentally, and as far as our politics goes from, from the, the liberal city that's nearby. So if you can live somewhere like that, that has that doesn't have these woke policies, I would encourage people to do that and certainly to pray about it. Um, you know, moving is a big deal. But, um, you know, again, if God has put it in your heart, I would ask him to pray and to guide you. And I have uh, spoken to people in the book who have done that, who have moved and how they made their decision on where to move, what they did to to make it happen, um, things to consider. Um, you can, you know, if you're able to, especially in this world where so much work is able to be remote, you can go live somewhere for a couple months, perhaps, and rent and kind of give it a trial time. Go to go read the local newspapers, go to some, you know, local municipal government meetings if you can, see what they're talking about, see what they're spending their money on, things like that. Do your research, certainly. Um, 
and bring your friends and your family with you so you have a whole new not woke community and leave the San Francisco's and the Chicago's of the world to <laughs> deteriorate as sad as that is but sometimes that's necessary for your for your salvation of your own soul and that of those um of those you love indeed well thank you uh that's great and uh so the book is woke proof your life a handbook on escaping modern political madness and shielding yourself and your family by living a more self-sufficient uh f fulfilling life by Teresa Mall. Teresa, thank you for coming on the show and talking about this book. It is at uh crisis it was published by Crisis Publications. I will have links in the description for people to find the book and make sure you go out and buy it. Uh so Teresa, anything to say before we go? Any any last words of wisdom? Yeah, I would just, again, encourage people, whenever they look out into what seems like this crazy, chaotic, woke world, that you are far from alone and you are, in fact, in excellent company. People like Connor and me are here <laughs> to support you and to learn from one another and pray for one another and to uh, to make your woke-proofing journey uh, not only not difficult, but actually really enjoyable and um yeah, don't feel like you're alone because that's just a lie that the devil is telling you. And uh, well, proofing your life is easier than it looks. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, thank you all for watching. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe. And God bless. Bye.